Hi welcome and back to the three star show and we, we are hot on the trail of the Trumpy fucking going to jail. Hi, I'm like Joe Brown from Axel Lauder. For years I worked as an insurance adjuster and going now I use those experiences jail. to help our clients fight and win against insurance companies. Trumpy motherfucking Trumpy Von Schittler going to jail. So folks, right now is a textbook moment and turning point when it comes to old Donnie because as we've explored so many times before, he is, he's at his most unhinged and his most erratic and unpredictable in the where his back is up against the wall and right now there's been some new moves against him and a new analysis breaking down how every single person close to him in his life past and present is turning on him at record speed it brings up the fact that he continues to put out totally unhinged videos videos talking about policy if you can call it and that but also again absolutely deranged interviews with other people on the far right this man realizes that he has no facts or evidence or you know uh, policy no evidence to back up his claims and so he puts himself in a situation where he spouts nonsense and fearmongers as a way of trying to regain power so he can avoid prison. Let's start with some coverage here because it really outlines how the walls are breaking down around Trump and he can't blame the left, he can't blame progressives, he can only blame the people that know him best of all. The revelations about Mike Pence are completely predictable that the special counsel would want to speak to him. Uh, I think that Jack Smith and his team are understandably trying to get information from every possible source before they make the momentous decision about a possible indictment of a former president. Mike Pence, obviously, arguably witness one right at the center of this, would have very direct information. Uh, and understandably, he's stepping to Mike Pence, to the president's children. Uh, he's going to turn over every rock, or at least try to, before a final decision is made. We had a guest on a couple weeks ago who said, uh, just dismiss the entire January 6th uh, committee. Uh, just, oh, it's just political. What do you say to people who say such a thing? Well, yeah, uh, it was an attack on the United States Capitol, uh, not a politically motivated investigation. It was a bipartisan investigation, very unusual on Capitol Hill. We had Republican members. We didn't have a majority and a minority. And all of our witnesses, literally every person who had material information, was someone who was in the Trump administration and the Trump campaign. Uh, can, Trump can you just underline that again for me? Just stop again right there, because in most of these committees that we see, you'll have Democrats bring on liberals, you have Republicans bring on conservatives, and they've been fighting these ideological wars for years. So you're just sitting there going, okay, I know what that person's going to say. I know what that person's going to say. I want you to underline again the fact that every single person that delivered damning testimony on what Donald Trump did January the 6th was a Trumper. And so we have to set this up to establish the mindset. Donald Trump is in ultra-paranoid mode right now. The guy's always been paranoid. Even when things in relative terms were going well for Trump, uh, he was always paranoid that somebody was trying to profit off his success, to steal his success and credit for all of the things he supposedly achieved. I don't know if there's any real Trump achievements. But you get what I'm saying. Perceived achievements. 
But when things are going especially badly, he's trying to blame these, like, the, the Marxists trying to take him down. But every single person that's either voluntarily gone against him or is being hauled in to go against him are his friends, his family, his staff, his colleagues, his aides. There's no excuse here. And it's in this mindset that he sits down earlier this afternoon for one of the most disgusting interviews he ever gives. Guys, he is spewing just absolute bile here, front to back. And he starts again with hypocrisy with regard to what happened in Ohio. Boot edge edge, you know, we're supposed to say boot edge edge. He was supposed to be there and uh, he decided not to come. And he came the next day and he played to very small crowds. Nobody yeah. cared. It was too late. I mean, he should have been there on day one, not uh, weeks after this event happened. It was a very horrific event, actually. And so, like, that's nuts, right? Because, look, here's the thing. You can honestly feel that Pete should have gone there earlier. But it's not what's normally done. We've talked about this. Even Fox has admitted it. It is not standard protocol for the Department of the, the, the Secretary of, De, of, of Transportation to visit accidents like this. Yes, even major ones. Even when there are you know, fatalities, a visit doesn't happen, but there were no direct fatalities here. And the point is also that when Trump was president, when he was literally president, neither he nor Chow, his Secretary of Transportation at the time, actually went to things like this. They didn't do it. So if you're not going to send people to these things, and you're not going to, you know, he's clearly trying to score points. But then it goes from hypocritical to grossly irresponsible as he tries to baselessly bat around some conspiracy theories. When you go so, to the uh, Nord Stream pipeline, which you did shut down, Biden opened up, now there's yeah. uh, some reporting that says we blew it up. Biden did a covert mission and blew it up. Do you believe that? <laughs> well, it could have been us, and it could have been uh, it could have been Ukraine, and it could have been some third party country that wants to see that wants to see trouble. The one group it wasn't is Russia. You know, they blame Russia for, for doing it. This was a main this is a main Thank source so of sure. massive income to them. Fucking they didn't blow, blow it up to make a point. That's the one thing I can tell you for sure. Remember when it first happened? They yeah. said Russia did it. You know, Russia always says Russia, Russia. And yeah, uh, Russia, I lived for years Russia. with that where uh, everything gets blamed on Russia, gets blamed on you. These people are sick, I'm telling you. But it could have been. It could have been working in conjunction with Ukraine because Ukraine is total dominance over the United States, total dominance. I mean, mm. we've given them probably $150 billion, and Europe has given them almost nothing. And so you can see there, there they're just talking about, oh, look, a pipeline got destroyed. I wonder who could have done it. Do you think that America could have maybe done it? And he just says, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Like, it's, that's irresponsible. The only way an ex-president should handle a question like that, where we have literally no evidence, like, enough to establish who did it, like, is to say we, we shouldn't comment on a story of this kind of sensitivity until we have more evidence. Like, this is why Joe Biden, when, when he was asked, like, would you, know, you trust Donald Trump with security clearance after office? Because sometimes former presidents do maintain certain levels of clearance because, you know, their expertise is respected. And he said no, and this, this is the reason why. But this is a family that could very well be compromised because why are they allowing this to happen with respect to China? But at the same time, the ultimate sin is taking place. And I learned this when I was a young student studying history. Never let 
China and Russia unify, yeah. and we have let them unify. We forced them into yeah. a unification, yeah. and that's the most dangerous thing that can happen to our country. Trump is just willing to spread the most heinous BS, just absolutely crazy stuff. And it only gets worse here, guys, as he goes on and says, you know, things about Biden supposedly allowing China and Russia to unify. Should we be sending more money, more arms? Now they're talking about planes. Should we be doing this? Well, we're going to end up in World War Three. That's one thing that's going to happen. And I've been sort of saying that for a long time now. The saddest part about the war is that this is a war that should have never happened. Okay, so On the next episode of TV Dad. Kids are so expensive, Dad. Maybe try switching your car insurance to Progressive. You could save hundreds. It's a great idea, TV Dad. Listen to your TV Dad. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700. So now it happened. Uh, now you have to get people in the room. You have to knock heads, and you have to get it done. So, and that would mean that would mean saying things to Putin and saying things to Zelensky that they're not going to want to hear, and right. getting them into a room and getting it done. People are dying by the thousands. You know, Glenn, when I see the reports that they knocked down a city, you know, these cities are being leveled. There's not a building standing in a lot of these cities. I've seen pictures that maybe other people don't get to see. Maybe they do. But or take a look at the newspaper. When they have a topographical picture of a city, there's a one building standing. It's incredible. And then they say, uh, one person died and three people were injured. No, no. Many people died. Right. Many people were badly injured. And we're not getting the true facts about what's happening in so, this world. Like, there's no, there's no historical knowledge there by Trump. He likes to think, like, oh, I know history and stuff. The reality is that a U.S. president can't really control how two massive countries that border one another maintain their relationships, right? Like, look, you could be happy or sad with the fact that there's cooperation sometimes between Russia and China, even though their government systems are actually quite different, and the ideological leanings of Russia and China are not as similar as, like, certain American sources would lead you to believe. But the point is, they're either going to be friends or they're not, and Biden or Trump isn't really going to stop that. And giving Putin what he wants in Ukraine, which is Trump's solution, isn't going to solve it either. It's just going to be a stronger Russia. But maybe because it's stronger, China would have a greater desire to be friends with it. A weakened pariah destroyed Russia who lost this war badly and was unstable because you threw Putin out and you brought in like a pro-democracy guy. All of that would make it less likely to see Russia-China cooperation. So if you want to see those nations be at odds with one another because you feel it's good for the U.S. geopolitical interests, then a strong Russia with a strong dictator isn't what you want. You want Putin to lose this war. But then it gets again here, where Trump is openly siding with the Putin narrative. Again, this is the man, you can, this is the man who, you know, it's no surprise that a few months ago there was like a Russian spy hanging out at Trump's house who's been, you know, talked about this, there's been talks about Russian spies wriggling through Mar-a-Lago. The guy spreads these narratives. You can be pro or against the conflict. But the idea that the only way to prevent, quote-unquote, World War III is to give the aggressor of the conflict exactly what they want is asinine. There's no guarantee that would stop anything. There's no guarantee because all that might lead to is another country being invaded. 
I'm not going to make comparisons between Putin and the man from Germany in the 1930s, but there were some people that thought if you just gave him what he wanted a few times, he would stop and be like, my belly's full, I'm done invading countries. And he did it again and again and again. Appeasement doesn't necessarily work, but what it does do is feed into the narratives. And then it gets just off the walls, because Trump, after this interview, posted another one of his videos that is front to back one of the most insane, nonsensical, destructive things ever. I'm very proud that as president, I issued a historic rule banning Wall Street and employers from pouring your 401ks, pensions, and retirement accounts into so-called ESG or environmental, social, and governance investments for political reasons, strictly for political reasons. These people are sick. These poorly performing woke financial scams are radical left garbage that would never be funded on their own and certainly never be funded on their own merits. The entire ESG scheme is designed to funnel your retirement money to the maniacs of the radical left. The rule we issued under my leadership was the first ESG ban anywhere in the world. And I'm delighted that Republicans in Congress and across the country have been waking up to this threat and following my lead. Unfortunately, Joe Biden gutted my ESG rule. And now, as Department of Labor has declared that fund managers can play politics with our seniors, hard-earned savings, and play it, they are. Biden has already crushed your 401ks. If you take a look at the 401ks, when I was there, they were going like a rocket ship straight up, and now they're going like that rocket ship is crashing. But pensions and retirement accounts with this radicalism and incompetence they're going down and they're going down big and it's nobody's seen anything like it with his action and with this action he's trying to use your money to fund fringe left-wing causes at your expense you're paying the price for all of this and it's destroying our country besides when i'm back in the white house i will sign an executive order and with congress's support a law to keep politics away from america's retirement accounts forever I will demand that funds invest your money to help you, not them, but to help you, not to help the radical left communists, because that's exactly what we are. I will once again protect our seniors, just like I did before, from the woke left. This is the small government party, guys. This is the party that wants to basically ban any investments that say C is quote-unquote woke. And they say it's because, oh, we don't want investments doing anything but profiting off, you know, helping the people profit. But the reality is conservatives are the ones doing all the banning. They're the ones banning books. They're the ones banning certain companies from doing business if they don't have the correct line on Israel and these sorts of things. Fundamentally, all of this is dangerous and destructive and disturbing. Donald Trump's words are only going to get crazier, guys, as prison looms closer and closer. And whether it's on foreign policy or domestic policy, he takes the position that hurts America and Americans most of all. Don't buy solar panels. Seriously, there is a very good reason why we're saying this. If you're thinking about buying solar panels, don't. The U.S. government will literally buy them for you if you take 60 seconds to answer a few questions below. Hi there.
Could the U.S. be shooting down UFOs or something worse? Billy Carson streamed two days ago. text message uh, for everyone who um, didn't really get it and so the text message has gone out I've got everything ready to go and welcome to the show it's going to be a great show tonight we're going to be talking about uh, these UFOs that have been getting shot down aka balloons and other probe type devices and what we really really we want to ask yourself a question you know, the question really is what are these things um, why are they, why is this happening now? And what are some of the possibilities of where they could be from or who made them? So we're going to dig deep into that tonight and go over all that good stuff. Thank you, everyone. I see everybody filling up in the chat room. Everybody filling up in the chat room. This is great. Appreciate you. I see people coming in from all over the world. Amazing. Amazing. I saw the Philippines. Uh, just now. Let me see where everybody's at in the chat. Tell me where you're from in the chat. Let me see where you guys are from. Uh, somebody said, get me on your ship. <laughs> Listen, as soon as that thing is ready, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going to Mars, but I'll be back. Oh, wow, Ottawa. Somebody said they're from Mars. I already know. <laughs> Chicago, Las Vegas, Nevada, Indiana, Berkeley, California, Mississippi, Michigan. Come here, darling. All right. How are you doing? Iowa, population 209. Okay, wow. Amazing. Come here, snowflake. Washington. Cleveland, Texas. Beautiful, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Oakland, Cali, think? Pittsburgh. All right. Beautiful. Crazy. Thanks for joining us tonight. Canada's in the house. It's going to be a great talk tonight. Matt Hood, Vincent Volker. What's up, Matt? You're my neighbor. It's going to be a great talk. So, now... You know, obviously, we've been uh, seeing these things happening on the news. Um, we've, we've been hearing about the balloons being shot down. Uh, and what's interesting is, this is for me, as long as I've been alive, I've never heard of this type of activity. I've never heard of F-22s getting activated to go shoot down aerial balloons. And so this struck me as very, very interesting. So I started digging a little bit deeper into these to see the what in the world could be going on. And the more I dug deeper into it, the more I realized there could be a couple of agendas actually running concurrently. In other words, it's not just one thing that's happening, it's potentially many things happening or several things happening at once. 
kind of all coalescing at the same time uh, and, and, you know, giving us this, uh, this eerie feeling that something could be going awry, something could be going missing. So I think that we all know about what's going on with China and Taiwan. If you don't know, China wants to do to Taiwan what Russia is doing to the Ukraine. Right, so you know, we have talked about the whole Russian-Ukraine situation. It's all about a big money grab, you know. Putin wants to basically um, steal those resources because his country's uh, running out of resources. Even though he's a billionaire off of oil, a lot of deals have gone bad. A lot of situations have, have dropped. Dropped. If he can capture that Ukrainian dollar and enslave those people with taxes and steal their resources. It can literally steal the riches of an entire country. See, for these people, being a billionaire is just not enough anymore. <laughs> it's all about how much power can you obtain before you die. And so that's what that whole thing is a big money grab. Same thing going on between China and Taiwan. It's a big money grab. They want to get that money. They want to steal the riches of an entire country, right? Taiwan is booming. They've got a great te technological uh, history. They're advancing, they're growing fast, they're building fast. They've got a great sports program. They've got their own pro, uh, pro sports program. As, as a matter of fact, several big-time NBA players play for Taiwan right now. Dwight Howard and a few others. I think they won a championship already. And so they got all this stuff going on, right? And China, which is right next door, they want to go ahead and steal those resources that they've got. They want to take all the riches. They want to take those people's wages added to their uh, their bottom line, you know, profit off of those people, steal them and, and make money and also wield their power over them. On top of that, steal their technological resources and add it to theirs. And so you're looking at the same exact situation that, that Russia is doing to the Ukraine. It's the same thing China trying to do to Taiwan. And it's causing a lot of tensions around the world. It's messing with all the stock markets. It's messing with real estate markets. It's messing with crypto markets. You know what I'm saying? They're just messing with everything uh, because the problem we have in this world is these people that have taken positions of power have the illusion within their own minds that they, uh, that they have the right to rule over people and men and they have the right to torture them. And, uh, but what's funny is every time they call for a war, you never see them on the front line. Right? You don't see... Uh, Putin running to the front line in this Ukraine battle. He's not out there going, come on, men, follow me. <laughs> you don't see the president of China running out to be the first man on the ground to go against Taiwan. When the U.S. goes and invades all these third world countries to bring them democracy, you don't see the president who called the order, who gave the approval for the order, and, and anyone else in the military, the generals and so forth. And the admirals, you don't see them running out front going, hey, come on, follow me, young man, to your death. I'll lead the way. <laughs> People with the $10,000 suits on never get their fingernails dirty. People with the $10,000 suits on never get their fingernails dirty. Now, before we go on, I, I, I have an idea. What if... Hypothesis now. What if, in order to go to war, the leader of the country that ordered the war and their entire first line of their family, 
the words there, their children and their wife gotta hit the ground first. They gotta hit the ground first. I wonder how many wars there would actually be. Hmm. I wonder if we would have any more wars. If the person who ordered the war knew that him and his family, whether they're women or men, doesn't matter, they gotta hit the ground first. They gotta be on the front line when it pops off. I wonder if there'd be any more wars. Man, I, I, you know, I just something tells me it just probably wouldn't happen. <laughs> it just probably wouldn't happen. Just like police brutality. Every time a cop commits one of these egregious acts against another human being, if the mayor and the sheriff, because you know those are his bosses, right? The mayor and the sheriff. If the mayor and the sheriff lost their entire pension. Because of one bad apple, how long do you think it would be before there'd be no more bad apples? <laughs> how long do you think it'd be? See, there's easy solutions to these problems. There's simple solutions to these problems. Nobody wants to jump on it. If the boss loses his entire net, you know, his nest egg, everything he's been working for for his entire career because somebody he hired screwed up, I guarantee you will never happen again because the mayor and the sheriff will so let you know when you that? get hired. If you screw up, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> That's what they would tell the hired deputy. That's what they would tell the new hire. <laughs> if you screw this up, you got to worry about us. <laughs> and you'll never see another problem. Cops will go ahead and be just regular old cops. You know? Go out there and help people and try to do the best they can. And if they capture a suspect, they would take the suspect in nicely and gently and bring him to his cell and let the court system do the rest of the work. These are the types of rules we got to, you know, create in this world. Yeah. I tell you, sometimes when I watch that X-Men uh, movie with Thanos, I tell you, man, he, just, he didn't know how to use the power, but he had the right idea. But he just didn't know how to target that power that he had with that glove. You give me that glove with them with them doggone gems on it. I'm a target that glove. It's gonna be it's gonna be a target, and and magically people will begin to disappear, and it'll be the people that wear suits. You know the suits that when they tell you, I'm sorry, not suits but uniforms. When the, when the guy in the suit tells you, the guy in the uniform to go kill all these people, they won't they won't, they won't exist anymore. They'll be gone. That don't the right idea. We got to get rid of these agents that work for the Matrix. I work for Agent Smith. These people that put on these uniforms and run out there and just do whatever they're told without questioning it. And then they go home and kiss their babies and after they wipe out a civilization. Babies. But anyway, that's a whole other podcast. So we're talking about... You know these, these these objects that have been flying around. I've been taking taking a look at them. There's one in particular that was uh, coming through. I saw it in USA Today. Now I'm looking over my camera here. So if you see me looking up, I'm looking over the camera. Uh, there's been quite a few of these spy balloons spotted, and they've been getting shot down. All right. The U.S. military on Sunday shot down yet another unidentified flying object in North American airspace. The fourth in three days, raising additional questions about where the objects are coming from and putting President Joe Biden in a tough spot politically. Well, President Joe Biden's already in a tough spot because the guy can't read, write. He's a complete ignorant person. All these poly tricksters, they're, you know, 
don't have the, they don't have the greatest IQs. They just know how to rule people because they've got people above them telling them what strings to pull, and they listen, and they're good on tape. They're, you know, so that's a whole other podcast. That's <laughs> why I don't believe in these poly tricksters. But I'm going to go ahead and run this video right quick, this little clip about one of these particular balloons, and let's see what they have to say about it. Chinese spy balloon flew over the United States before being shot down by an F-22 U.S. warplane off the coast of South Carolina. The U.S. Navy recovered the debris from a 200-foot-tall vessel to examine its capabilities and the potential intelligence it gathered along its journey at 65,000 feet. So what kind of information could this spy balloon have collected? Let's start by looking at the path it took. Well, we know that it started entered the United States, the Aleutian Islands, and then it flew over parts of Alaska, re-entered the United States, from Russia. Idaho, it went over Montana, where <laughs> from Air Force bases and other sites that have nuclear missiles in surmise from other sightings of it over Kansas, and it probably went over Nebraska as well, where Strategic Air Command is. So it probably went over nuclear missile sites as well as command These sites are sensitive for reasons that I mean the most strategic assets that the military has. They have nuclear weapons that can destroy the world. So they need to be have the utmost security. And if we have a foreign adversary looking at them, presumably they're picking up some information from that. They would certainly have had high resolution cameras on it to take still photos, but they probably had full motion video as well. Um, they may have also had devices that would have picked up on communication. The balloon itself was 200 feet tall, and the payload that carried the surveillance gear was the size of a regional jet airline. It weighed thousands of pounds. So if you're dropping that, shooting it down, it drops from 60,000 feet, it's going to hit something. And the other factor was that we spied on this by picked up on its capabilities because it was over the United States and we were able to monitor it and see what it was doing. So we learned just as much as the Chinese uh, in uh, examining what was going on with our balloon. Pretty interesting. So, yeah, we, you know, I've seen some comments in, in the chat, in the live chat, you know, saying Joe Biden has a law degree. Well, I mean, okay. Well, yeah, so do I. <laughs> I mean, we're not talking about book sense. We're talking about common sense. This is what these poly tricksters are lacking. Anytime a person can achieve a level of education that these people have been literally given with their silver spoons in most cases, and then take part in destroying the planet on a global scale, take part in uh, egregious acts against other human beings on a global scale. We're talking about people that have no common sense. We're talking about people that literally are living for the day. They're living for the moment. Joe Biden and all these other rich polytrixers and all these other corporation, Fortune 500, multi-billion dollar corporations that poison the oceans and everything else. These people live for now. They don't live for later. They're worried about how, can, how much can they collect? How much can they steal from the system? How much resources can they rob from the planet to enrich and empower themselves for now and let the people of the future worry about what happens later? See? All the big oilers like the, the, the uh, you know, the people that, uh, what was the guy's name? Um, Bush, the Bushes, the Bush family, right? You got uh, Jeb Bush and George Bush and, and, and George Bush Sr. and Jr. and all this and, and all these people and the grandfather, right? 
The grandfather worked for the Nazis. The grandfather used the U.S. bank. The Bush grandfather used U.S. banks to fund Hitler. Facts. Look it up. Right. And then you have uh, uh, George Bush Sr., who was the head of the CIA and made the actual order to put a hit on who? JFK. Facts. Look it up. So, yeah, you know, we're right. dealing with people here that, have, that are that, absolutely idiot. ruthless people. There is no such thing as a Democrat or a Republican. Let me tell you that again. There is no such thing as a Democrat or Republican. The only thing that does exist is a group of elite oligarchs that torture men, women, and children worldwide. Yeah. And as soon as you understand that, the better you understand your place in the world that we're living in right now. And the quicker you can understand what you need to be on is the side of sovereignty. That's the side you need to be on. All sheep are led to slaughter. Left wing, right wing. I don't care what tunnel you walk down, your head's going to get chopped off at the end of that tunnel. Every four years, I go to the voting line. And guess who I put in the, on the list? Myself. I take the blank ballot and write my name in and put my name in the box because I'm the president. Me, I am the president. <laughs> and you need to become your own president. Stop voting and putting your faith and, and, and hopes into all these people out there on the outside. Start putting faith in yourself. I have the ultimate belief and faith in me, in my own self, in my own powers. And I execute those powers on a daily basis. I don't care who's running this and who's running that and who's got this law and that law. I'm going to maneuver and do what I got to do the way I'm going to do it because me, I'm the president, period. And that's the way I walk around everywhere I go. With my chest popped out, my head popped up, letting people know I'm in charge. I'm in charge of me and my life and my family, period. And when you get that kind of mindset, that's when your life is going to change. But as long as you keep giving your powers away to these people and having faith in these people, mm, you're not going to really truthfully live the true fulfillment of life that you really wish you had. Anyway, so like I was saying, you see that the balloon meandered through uh, and across its covered missile bases. So, of course, what we're talking about here, obviously, is a situation where dealing with um, UFOs, not UFOs, we're dealing with things that we created. They're not UFOs, they're, they're identified objects, right? The things that we ourselves have actually created. So we know exactly what they are, and it's not a mystery. Now, what's interesting is the size of these things. I don't know if you can imagine that these things are so big. Talking about objects, uh, these balloons being 200 feet and having a piece on the bottom of them that's the size of a, you know, an airliner have to house all their technology, a 200-foot balloon. So we're talking about the fact that they weren't even trying to hide this thing. They knew eventually it would get shot down. It was just a matter of how soon, how much information can they gather in the process of trying to cover the ground. So there's two things. One thing is the balloon. There's something else we're going to talk about later that was, that was captured up there and shot down and has been recovered. And that's something totally different. It's not a balloon, right? And so, let me see if I can add this slide in here real quick. And so what we're talking about is uh, the fact that China is bold enough to launch this spy satellite, send it all across the Americas, North Americas, from the Atlantic all the way to the West Coast, over all the military bases, <laughs> and transmitting information in real time via satellite uplink, most likely. So that, wait, if it gets shot down, we already got all of our data in real time, but it doesn't really matter. We captured a lot of information. I know some, some people were saying, 
well, why wouldn't they just put this, uh, you know, why wouldn't they just use a spy satellite? You see, it's very hard to just use a spy satellite because just like we have secure airspace over the Earth, we also have secure space over the planet itself. And so the United States being the leader in space and aerospace and space weapons, we have literally dominated and taken control of the space above our country and other countries as well. The reason why the United States can win virtually any war is because they have control of space. Whoever controls space controls the planet. And our power will not be relinquished until we give up the ability to control space. When there is a rival in space that dominates and takes over uh, you know, our space and, 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 and beat, defeats us in this space race and is able to put up more satellites that is able to, do, to dominate us through space technologies, mm -hmm. And we will fall. That's what it is, right? Uh, RJ says, let me make myself a little more clear. I'm not questioning you. I'm questioning the incident. What if the test to see if we're ready for disclosure? Good. That's a good one. That's a great question. You're not, that, 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 I understand what you're saying. I'm going to get to that as well. That's really part nice. of my thing that I'm talking about today, actually. Right? And so, if you want to, you know, if you look at the Iraq war, how did America, you know, literally decimate in an entire country, it was all through satellite technology. Guided, guided drones through satellite technology, guided missiles. Everything is guided by satellite. Even though it's launched from jets and it's launched from drones and everything else, and the drones are flown by satellite. So it's this fly-by-wire satellite-based system. You have to, in order to do that, you have to dominate space above Earth, right? We're talking about stratosphere and above. And so that's what we do. That's what we have, right? So... This is one of the ones that was shot down here. Remnants of a large balloon shot down by an F-22 fighter off the coast of South Carolina. Now, think about this. F-22 is the first kill at that altitude for an F-22. This is the first time something like this has ever happened, you know, at least since I've been alive. Now, let's look at the possibilities. These are alien vehicles among us. These are China-made devices used for surveillance, or, or these are a mix they of be our able own to shoot it, shoot it and down. also alien probes. Now let's look at let's Billy think about Carson this third one for a second uh, because UFOs, there were some other devices, right? There were some other devices that were shot down, and they were not balloons. This has just happened a few days ago. They were uh, very strangely. My point is, if they were able to shoot it down, it wasn't a UFO shaped. According to the U.S. military, it didn't have wings, a cockpit, a fuselage. They were metallic in nature, totally not balloons, according to the, the general. And so, if they weren't, then what the hell were these at sixty thousand and forty thousand feet? What were they? Those were also shot down. So it starts to make you think. Okay, the balloons we understand, old-fashioned technology, a two hundred foot tall balloon with this huge device at the bottom or all the technology inside of it and transmitting probably to some type of a secure satellite link, transmitting it back to home base, telling them what we see. This is what they've got out here at these flights. A flight is where a nuclear silo, well, could the nuclear US be silo shooting is down located. UFOs or so they probably worse. flew over the nuclear flights and were looking for different positions of different armory and so forth that we had here in the United States, right? just to get some images so they can update their database. Not that they were going to do anything right now, but this is a database update mission, really is all it is. 
because the information they had is probably from the 1960s. So now it's time to update it. All right, so they, they achieved their goal. They achieved their mission. They got their data. They got their new images and everything else and their video clips and so forth, right? All the movements of our military and everything else across secure space. So what in the hell came up at those altitudes that didn't have wings? That didn't I'm going to share this and write a few comments. Uh... have a cockpit they say they were unmanned how would they know they were unmanned i'm not really sure how they would know that they would be unmanned but they call ah, them unmanned and uh more shaped like gigantic rectangles that were shot down pretty interesting so they kind of address it a little bit and then they go back to the balloons check out this clip no offense but if you still think that investing in real estate is the best right, way to no make ads, passive income, man. I'm sorry, but you've got it wrong. You see, every month, I have a few things to talk about up top, and then we'll get right to your questions. Uh, so first of all, to add to information already provided earlier by the White House. At the direction of the President of the United States, fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Northern Command successfully took down a high-altitude airborne object off the northern coast of Alaska at 1.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today within U.S. sovereign airspace over U.S. territorial water. On February 9, North American Aerospace Defense Command detected an object on ground radar further in oh, it's the object now. using fighter aircraft. The object Shit. was flying at an altitude of 40. <laughs>
gonna go. <laughs> What's up, Billy Carson here, aka Forbidden Knowledge. I'm All right, everybody. we're here with the Forbidden Updates. I'm here with Elizabeth Hookstra. Yes, yes, it's been a while since we've done this, guys. It's been months, months, but we have some really, really great updates for you tonight. So um, we haven't been doing as much updates because there's no active raise as of right now. Um, and then there's still no active raise as of right now. So, uh, but we do want to keep you guys informed of what's going on with the company. I've been getting a ton of emails. Um, so we just wanted to make sure that you know, everybody knows what's going on. Yes. And we are live on uh, Facebook, Billy Carson, Facebook, Billy C. Carson verified business page, Anunnaki history business page. Can y'all hear us? Can you hear us? Yeah. Can y'all hear us? I just got a text that we, we can hear. Sound, sound looks good. Yes, let us know you can hear us. Please, please. Let's see here. Settings. Let me just check the settings right quick. Audio. Testing, testing. Looks good to me. Looks good, looks good. How come? Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay. Okay, Jake, just making sure. <laughs> So we're live on Facebook, Anunnaki History page, business page, Verified Business Page, Forbidden Knowledge. We're live on YouTube. We are live on Coach Carson Verified Twitter account. And we're also live on Forbidden Knowledge Verified Twitter account. And we're also live down here. I didn't forget about you guys. What's up, Pirelli? What up, though? <laughs> we're down on Instagram down here. So if you see me look down from time to time, uh, we're live on Instagram. So we're live pretty much everywhere. We are simulcasting. What's up, Coach Balfour? Coach Balfour's in the house. Yeah, he's a got a book out. coming out very yeah. soon. We were going to touch on that tonight, Coach yeah, Balfour. we're going to touch on that tonight. <laughs> we're talking about a business book coming out for business financing. I'm sharing right now. Business, so it's going to be an incredible book coming very soon. Yes, Tucson absolutely. Networking. All right, Liz. So let's go down the checklist of these forbidden updates for everybody. Yes, yes. We wrote a little checklist to make sure we stay on point tonight yeah. because we have a ton of very, very exciting announcements. Yeah, correct. Um, first and foremost, we want to let everybody know what is going on with the company as far as investors go because mm -hmm. we have over 5,000 investors. That's right. Excuse my voice, you guys. I was speaking real loud earlier today, so I've kind of lost my voice, so excuse me if I sound a little wrecked. I think it's, I think it's kind of sexy. Thousand feet and posed a reasonable threat to the uh, safety of civilian flight. 
U.S. Northern Command is beginning recovery operations now. U.S. Northern Command's Alaska Command coordinated the operation with assistance from the Alaska Air National Guard, uh. Federal Aviation Administration, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. We have no further details about the object at this time, including any description of it. that thing about the Netherlands. If you die and have no next of kin friends or family to attend your funeral, they will send a poet who shall read a custom poem for you at your funeral so that you won't be alone that day. Wow. Ah, hmm. oh, dang it, kitty. Do you have to? Yes, you do. Okay, um, what's up with the capabilities, purpose, or origin? The object was about the size of a small plane? car, so not similar in size or shape. Okay. to the high-altitude surveillance balloon that was taken down off the coast. Hey, Chihuahua, Teresa, what the hell are you doing? Okay, it's live right now, and, um, forbidden updates, yeah. It's kind of a little boring. entanglement, that's why channeling works. Your brain is making connections it doesn't normally make. When you first signed up, you, it was an automatic digital signature by you as well. Uh, and then that you hold on to that. Then we're going to fast forward. Now we go into round two. In round two of the race, which happened about uh, close to five months now after, four months after, of, uh, we went through another evaluation period. Come, and our pre-money valuation there. went to oh. $30 million because the company had grown incrementally. Yeah. Always a good uh, sign. Always a good sign. Yeah. Very good sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the company had produced more content, uh, revenue went up uh, across the board for all the different things underneath the forbidden knowledge okay. umbrella. And so I'm shares were then came to... out with a value of a dollar fifty. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go back to this other one about um about aliens. It's more interesting. To business, yeah. It's not my okay. Go back, Trista. Okay, um, manifest virtual forbidden consciousness awards. Uh oh, no, I'm trying, having a hard time to find it. Fuck, two days ago. Oh man. Fuck. Where is it? 
I mean, it must be on Facebook. Oh, that's why I didn't see my comments. Okay. What's that noise? Mm, reach seven people. Uh, Christopher Governor in the last seven days. Billy Carson. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's happy birthday to Beyonce. This lady. Wow, what a couple, what a power couple. Not why would wow. What? Um Um Okay, good for you. I think he's more handsome. I think she's had some plastic surgery to have that done. But, damn. Yeah, she's fine. Right, I think he's more handsome than she is. Beautiful. Shit, why can't I find the fucking... It was posted two days ago. Where do, how do I get to my history? <laughs> YouTube. Oh, man. Shiites. <sighs> Ancient tablets. November 1, 2022. Ancient tablets uncover proof of mysterious astronaut gods. Well, shit, that sounds great, too. <laughs> Let's go for it. Getting lots of eye contact. Power so this is going well. Just wish I knew what she was thinking. Carson, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming here. Hey, thank you. You are one of the most fascinating people to follow on Instagram. The videos, all the things that you that you look into and talk about are just so, I mean, out there. A lot of it's really out there for me, but it's it's just so fascinating. Three months and I've, ago, I've often fallen down. This is on Concrete with a K, uh, YouTube channel. They have six hundred four K. Followers, and it's called Ancient Tablets Uncovered Proof of Mysterious Astronaut Gods, Billy Carson. Many rabbit holes watching your videos and wow. following your content. Thank you, man. How did you get into all this stuff? 
You know, it's a real amazing story. Uh, we were living in New York. I was born in New York. And uh, my parents, you know, were having some issues there. My father was uh, having some, some issues with drugs and alcohol. And they decided, you know, they had a great idea. Let's move to Miami. <laughs> Queens <laughs> end up down there. Yeah, so they went to the cocaine cowboy cabin, <laughs> and uh, we get in Miami, and uh, we live in, we're living in, in the hood in the ghetto. Oh man! Uh, yeah, yeah, hardcore back then too. Like we lived in the middle triangle part of Oklahoma, which was the steel gate that they put around the city to keep the crime on the inside. Wow. Uh, and as you know, there's an Oklahoma the airport nearby. Bad Boys. Yeah. Bad Boys. Oh, yeah. Bad Boys 2 or something. They used that airport uh, in, in the movie. But anyway, I, I would go outside because back in the 70s, right? 1977. There's no uh, cable TV. There's no cell phones. No, no screens to look at. No tablets or anything. You go outside and you play. I'm outside looking at the airplanes go over. Just observing how long it took for them to go from horizon to horizon. Like, yeah, that was like the exciting thing of the day back then. Because we couldn't go and play out in the neighborhood because it, it was so much crime and killing going on. We could only either play in the backyard or in the front yard, and we couldn't leave the gate parameter left or right. If we passed that, we get in trouble. Uh, so I'm out there watching, and I see this object go across. Seconds, not minutes. It literally just, and I'm, I know I saw it. I'm like, I know I just saw something, but it was more of an oval, almost like an egg. It didn't have wings, a cockpit, didn't have a tail fin, didn't have anything that looked like a plane. And I'm just looking, 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 I'm searching, I'm scanning the sky for this thing, and it comes back. But this time when it comes back, it's lower. It's about maybe now, I can estimate about 200 meters above my head, and it's completely silent, and it stops. It comes to an immediate stop, and then it just stays there for like three or four seconds, and it just takes off the way that it came in. And I was blown away. I was like, what did I just see? Now, back then, the word UFO didn't exist for me. Flying saucer didn't exist. Aliens didn't even exist in my vocabulary. All I knew was I saw something that was an airplane. So the next day, I went to my school, Rainbow Park Elementary. We lived four, four, yeah, four, four And he read all about school. aviation. I've I heard this story. And so my teacher, my dad wants me to do a report. My, my dad always made me. Encyclopedia <laughs> is from the library because I'm researching something. She sent me to the library. I get the Encyclopedia Britannica on aerospace. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Swift Wing, Delta Wing. I'm looking at all these different types of uh, projects that we had for planes between United States, Russia, submarine uh, missiles that were sent from the ocean. I'm trying to find wherever I could see, and I saw nothing close to what I saw in my backyard. And that started with So that's what sparked this that's whole thing. How old were you? Seven years old. I had just turned seven. You know what's crazy too is there's a there, there's a lot of reports of UFO sightings near schools. Yeah. I think there's the most of them near schools. And I'm sure you're familiar right. with the Zimbabwe. Where was it? No. Where was that? There, there was an Africa. It was in South Africa. There's one in Russia by a school. Yeah. But just, you're right. There's by schools a lot. There's one famous one I was just talking to a guy about uh, that happened in Africa. I'm forgetting the name of the actual name of the school, but there was a actual like a whole report of beings coming out of the craft and like telepathically communicating with the kids. Yeah. In broad daylight. In broad daylight. Yeah. I remember that. And there's many, many yeah. um, accounts of UFO sightings near schools. Yeah. Um, 
You said you were seven years old? Eight yeah. years old? Seven. Yes. Wow. Great. So what was life like growing up down there? That's pretty tough. I mean, I could remember seeing the, uh, the yellow chalk, you know, in the, in the streets, you know, people getting shot, killed, stabbed. Coming home and, and uh, the cops would be all around because uh, somebody stabbed somebody. The neighbor would rob another neighbor. Right. Hi. Welcome back. And uh, I was listening, we're listening to Billy Carson's absolutely mind-blowing lecture on, well, it was on UFOs, and I will find that, I'll find it somewhere, maybe it was on Instagram, uh, anyway, so I went to a, a concrete interview, K-O-N-K-R-E-T-E, um, interview on YouTube, about the Anunnaki, so, um, and I was just going to kind of compare, like, his and my uh, childhood, you know, like, we both read voraciously, um, and we both uh, binged on the classics. He just mentioned Seawolf. And, um, yeah, when I was in high school, I had a really great English teacher who advanced placements who uh, kind of um, turned me on to the classics. And so I systematically went through the Cliff's Notes and, and checked out the video, the book, the, um, basically the, the, and the Cliff's Notes, okay? And like that, I went, I like, like, check, check them off, like, go, like, um, alphabetical. And we both read the encyclopedias. I used to, I was kind of binging on the encyclopedias. And uh, I was teased in high school and sophomore year, I remember, English class, because I was reading the dictionary while everybody was, like, chatting or whatever. I was, I think it was like before class or something, and um, I was reading the dictionary and they were, they, they like made fun of me and, and you know, it, was, it wasn't much at the time, but it was a type of bullying, you know, it's like made me feel kind of nerdy or like, uh, but um, I'm, pro I'm pretty dang sure I'm the only person out of my class who went to Oxford, probably the only one, no, 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 not the only one who went to Berkeley. Uh, I know Miss Tanner went to Berkeley, but her daughter went to A of U, uh, A, I mean U of A, A of U. <laughs> not funny, just uh, not funny. Anyway, shout out to KMP State Radio at the University of Arizona at KPYT, Pasquale Oki, Travel Radio, Travel Radio, Travel Radio, on the Reds with Tristan Show, Travel Radio. Anyway, let's get back to the show, man. By the way, thank you for, it's almost 60k now, that's, that's, Freaking great. It was just 50k. 
<laughs> starting to go faster, faster and faster, but, uh, that's cool. It's been a real slow growth and I public, I, uh, publish 24 hours a day. I podcast 24 hours a day, basically. And I have two podcasts. I'm by podcasting right now. And I, I'm a Midas Touch producer. And I cover all the pro-democracy podcasts, including Glenn Kirshner, because justice matters. Because justice matters. It does. It really matters. Anyway, and Legal AF, pretty much everything. Sometimes I've started just, like, surfing what's new on the Midas set. They post several times a day, so, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to keep up with them. Uh, extremely productive and kudos to them they're the number one we you know Midas Touch I'm part of the Midas Touch I'm a pa- I'm a Patreon um honorary producer but also uh, you know I'm I'm very productive producer not just a a pino a producer in name only <laughs> at a young age fortunately and one thing that my father did do he he made me do book reports every single week since i was little and so those book reports it's not like you read something and you just okay you a lot of people forget they have no comprehension or reading comprehension but when you do a book report it forces reading comprehension so i was comprehending so that that regimen of doing all those book reports for all those years every single week it developed in me this ability to comprehend what I was reading and be analytical and be able to ask questions and then be able to ask myself a question and then go research my own question and find the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. So that really helped me. That was one of the best things he ever did for me, which is why I dedicated my second book to him. At Mm -hmm. what point did you become so fascinated in like ancient civilizations and cosmology and, and all of this kind of stuff? It's really interesting. So I really, at an early age, I was interested in it. I wasn't fascinated yet. I was like, the pyramids and, you know, the seven wonders of the world, because I was reading books about it. And I was like, wow, I'd like to see these one day. But it wasn't this burning passion desire yet. <clears throat> it didn't really happen for me until uh, much later. I think it was, uh, let's see, Justin right now, my, my youngest son is 20, going to be 23 soon. So it was 25 years ago. <laughs> I was looking into, you know, pyramids and the structures, and I realized that these things seem technological in some kind of way, the way that they're constructed. (laughs) I started really understanding that we could, we didn't have the technological capability right now to duplicate some of these things. So I said, I have to go somewhere. I need to go somewhere to see something that's ancient, that's built. And that's not going to cost me that <laughs> much money because I didn't have a lot of time. And it was kind of close. The first time leaving the country, I went to Mexico. I went to Chichen Itza in the Yucatan Peninsula. Uh, and so I flew into Mexico. Uh, and, and I was I thought I was rich because I converted 500 bucks American back then into uh, Mexican pesos. And I had all this money. And then a sandwich cost like 100 bucks. And I said, oh, I'm not rich. <laughs> but I went, I went down there in that bus through the jungle to get to Chichen Itza. And then this whole, you know, incredible place opens up when you get there and you see it. And you know, I was just like blown away. I climbed the Pyramid of Kukulkan, which you can't do anymore. Mm-hmm. They've stopped people from doing that now because, unfortunately, something has happened with some tourists defecating up there. Some crazy oh thing. Oh, my God. Jesus. But uh, I took a picture, a famous picture of myself at the top of that. 
And I just realized, wow, this is what I really want to do. I want to travel the world and see these things. Yeah. Much later, though, in about 2010, I had this very strange experience, which it took a long time to talk about it because it's such a it was a bad experience for me in some ways. In some ways, it was good. In some ways, some ways it was bad. It was like one of the catalysts for my divorce. Well, even one of my sons is still kind of, uh, you know, um, standoffish because of it. But I had this experience in the house where. Can Americans with no degrees really get $6,495 from this education program? Everything Billy is Carson yes. does is fucking mind-blowing. From my perspective, sitting there watching ESPN Sports about 9 o'clock p.m., well, the room turned right. lavender. I looked over my left shoulder. The TV shut off, too. I looked over my left shoulder. I thought my boys were playing a trick on me. When I turned back, two what you would describe as gray aliens were in front of my face. And... Uh, I didn't know what to do. I tried to scream. No sound was coming out of my throat. Uh, they, whatever they were doing was making my brain shake in my skull. And then as fast as that happened, they just turned around and they kind of dangled away. They don't even walk like a regular walk. It was like a dangle. I can't really explain it. <laughs> and then the lights came back. The TV came back. I ran around the house frantic. Nobody heard us or anything. It scared the hell out of everybody, especially my wife at the time. Uh, she had just about had enough. That was <laughs> like the last straw. <laughs> I didn't talk about it for a long time. I didn't, never went public with it until probably, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago or so. Because I really got nothing out of it but negativity. But I felt like it was a time for to start explaining this. And the reason why I'm bringing it up now, based on your question, is because one thing that the part that was good out of that situation was this phrase, worldwide telescope, was burning in my mind over and over again. It just came out of nowhere. Worldwide telescope, worldwide telescope, worldwide telescope. I get up. I go on my computer, I go to Excite.com, because back then, Google wasn't the main one yet. <laughs> what year was this? This is a 2010. Okay. I type in uh, Worldwide Telescope, and then WorldwideTelescope.org is the first search result. I almost fell out of my chair. First what? I click on it. You Back then, you had to download the software and install it. Now, you can just use it without installing. It's an option because your HTML5 is out now, so you can do both. But anyway, I installed the software. I opened it up. It gives you the sky view. You can go into two mass infrared mode, all these different satellite modes. It gives you all the space probe data for all the missions that have ever gone off into space wow. from Earth. And it gives you access to the data and also the rover images, but from the perspective of the rovers on Mars. And it's, it's all publicly available. Taxes pay for all this. And so you log in. I saw, I saw okay, uh, Mars. Interesting. Let me click on Mars. Then I, from Mars, I go and I see, um, I see uh, Panorama. I go, okay. Then I see Rovers. I go, Rovers? Well, the Rovers are in here? I click on Opportunity Rover. Now I'm on the mast cam, and I'm zooming in, zooming out, panning left and right. And I started seeing anomalies. But the anomalies that I was seeing, to answer your question, are things that look similar to ancient structures on Earth. And I go, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Is this really Mars? So I start downloading these images and screenshotting them and analyzing them. And they're really more as images hosted on Caltech servers. Some are on Washington.edu. Uh, and I'm like, this is incredible. So I start comparing to now I've got a really crazy passion for this because now I'm hunting down every ancient site and trying to see how, how do these sites connect to what I'm seeing going on on Mars. And then I came across the Enuma Elish and the seven tablets of creation from ancient Sumeria. And it talks about they had beings named the Ejiji living on Mars, running a concurrent civilization that was on Earth and both on Mars. And that just blew me away. And from there, I just dove headfirst into the whole thing. So this was immediately after you had this 
encounter or sighting yeah. in your living room? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> and so you had just this idea of what was it called? What's the website Worldwide called? Worldwide Telescope. That's it. Burning That's it in right your there. mind. Yeah. So well, you think? It, what do you think? Do you do you think that they were trying to communicate this to you to look, go find this stuff? That's the only thing I could think of. They didn't give me anything like a telepathic that I could understand in terms of words, like the English right. language. But my brain was shaking in my skull, like it was it was painful. And then it just stopped, and then they just left. But that phrase just over and over, thousands of times. Now, when you said the the room turned a specific color and the TV went off, yeah, it turned lavender. Turned TV lavender. Went, the TV went whoop, shut did, right off. Did anybody else ex- uh, hear nope. the TV go off or or see the, the house, color change? Listen to this. The house was full. I had two daughters in the, two rooms on the uh, east wing, uh, three boys on the west wing, and their rooms upstairs. It was a split floor plan. Wife at the time in the master bedroom, first floor behind the living room on the other side of the wall that I was sitting in a family room. And nobody heard, saw anything. Nobody came out of their rooms. Nobody saw anything. All they did was get frantic and scared, and they would cause all kind of problems, arguments. They, they got frantic and scared because you because you told them about it immediately. Yeah, yeah. and I was I was like, I was hyped. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it just happened to me. What had just happened was totally unreal, like in a real close encounter uh, of the fifth kind, and uh, it just freaked them everybody out. It was a, it was a, you know, it's still today. My son says, my son Giovanni he says, you know. I'm afraid to go to your house. And that's done. He's 27 now. Is this the only time anything like this has happened to you besides the using that UFO in your front yard when you were seven? That's it. Only time. Yeah, it never happened again. Yeah. But I've been on this path of discovery into ancient civilizations ever since based on what I saw on there. And since I've come across that worldwide telescope, I put together a team of anomaly hunters and we actually hunt space anomalies through most of this data. And we've downloaded now over 1 million images from NASA, Caltech, Washington, IDU, and all the other space, European Space Agency, India Space Agency, and the Russian Space Agency. And we've cataloged, cataloged over 60,000 space anomalies, most of which a lot of them have made the news, CNN, Fox, you name it. They've been on TV and everything. To you, what are the most astounding anomalies or photos that are on Mars that, that oh, really man. blow your mind? There's so many. But and is there a way we can see them on here? Uh, yeah. Maybe you could probably go in. So if you go to... Um, Pardon this brief interruption, but I want to take a minute to talk about this incredible supplement that I've been using for over a year now after it was recommended to me by nutritional scientist Dr. Dominic D'Agostino on this podcast. I take Dom's advice when it comes to anything related to nutrition, diet, and longevity because as we get older, these things become more and more. And C-R-E-T-E, it's linked below. Back to the show. Hey, we're on Mars. That looks like Mars. We're on Mars. Now, you see that rock on the right right there? Yeah. Let's zoom in over there. <clears throat> yeah, zoom in pretty close to that one. Let me see if this is, oh, to the right, a little bit more to the right. Okay, zoom in over there. Wow, this is pretty incredible, the, the resolution of this. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. You'll see an anomaly right there, first of all. You see this one on the left right there? But next left to the X, of the plus sign, I'm sorry? Yeah. That is not a rock. Sitting on top of the flat one, you mean? Looks like a seagull almost sitting there? Well, uh, no, you see that big triangular shape? Yes, yes. That's not a rock. It's got uh, it's got symmetry. It has three open places on it. If you zoom out just a tiny here, I don't know if you can do that. Yeah. So you can see, now look at the surrounding terrain outside of this, what looks like debris up there. Right. That particular object doesn't appear to be a, a rock. 
from the surrounding terrain. Mm -hmm. If you look at it, I've never seen a rock. So you have to compare what rocks look like to an earth. I've just never seen a rock that just stands up like that and has that type of shape and has mm -hmm. that type of structure to it. If you were able to take that and pull it into a photo program and really zoom in and close with an actual magnifying glass, because when you use a magnifying glass, you don't lose the resolution like you right. do when you're zooming in with computer zoom. Right. And so then all of a sudden you begin to see all, you know, all the aspects of the anomaly. So that was some, that, that's something that we would catalog as an anomaly. Now, if you zoom out, let's show you, see if I can find one more in this area because I haven't been here in a long yeah, time. Yeah, but there's, there's like a whole like, like cluster of... of oh, all that's all debris. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff there is actually artificial. A lot of that stuff is not rock or not rocks. Uh, if you scroll, when you through, say artificial, what yeah. do you mean specifically? In other words, I think that some of that stuff is uh, broken pieces of something. You know, there was a global flood on Mars, mm -hmm. and uh, the evidence of this is a lot of the things that we do find appear to be partially submerged in some of the sand, which what looks like <clears throat> wet sand. We know that there is mud there, and now we also know that there's billions of tons of liquid water because they've announced it officially. Couldn't it? Couldn't that be fragmented parts of a comet or an asteroid? It, it's possible. It's possible, but it's very so it hard. It looks you like there's kind of a crater behind it. Well, that's actually not a crater. That's just a little bit of an area behind the hill. That's like okay. when you come up that little hill, it's actually not even that steep of a hill. Yeah. And that area behind it's not that large. There's a measuring tool that you have in there, too, that you can measure okay. a lot of the sizes of this stuff. Right. That thing right there is only like four or five feet tall, that piece there. But if you scroll to the right more, there's a piece sticking on, out of a, a hill. Screen. Let me see if I can find it again. It's been a long time. Look at that little shiny area, like that, white. That's water and and uh, and frozen. That's frozen water, basically. How much water did you say there's there is on Mars? <laughs> they've now found billions of tons of liquid water, and they've officially announced it. They actually is this underneath the surface, or no, where they found a surface lake, 12, 12, uh, 12 hectare uh, acre, twelve hectares lake. They found. They've also found other pools of water, and they even showed on a NASA press release on video during the day. I think it was about four years ago, water coming down the side of a mountain. Really? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of water there. I'll keep going a little bit more. I'm just going by memory. Okay, zoom mm -hmm. in right there where your arrow is, where your, where your cur cursor was. I'm sorry. Yeah, right there. Yeah, right on that thing. Zoom in there. Now, that's interesting. Looks yeah, it's in a similar rock to the other one, right? It looks almost the same. It's pretty similar, but it's, it's something that's sticking out of the side and hanging over the ledge of a hill. Now, um, if you look at the back piece, well, on a rec on an image program, you can see that the, that it's connected. It's mm. just really, really dusty. Yeah. But there's something connect connects that whole piece at the top on that hill. Again, just another anomaly. Again, yeah. it's hard to find rocks that are shaped like that. Mm. Um, it doesn't match the surrounding terrain. You can see the front piece of it to the left, almost at the edge of the screen at the top left, right there. Yeah, a little bit more over. That's the that's it's one connected piece. Interesting. Yeah. Now, is there any objects that look like they were um, man-made or anything? That, like, what would you say on here resembles things that we have on Earth besides these rocks? I mean, this all is, these these just look like rocks to me. Yeah, we got to go through a whole bunch of over images. So if we go back out, we'll have to go find another another uh, panorama. What is that? Is that Bigfoot? <laughs> It's a weird thing. It's a what weird is object. that? Yeah, if you click on it, you can probably hope that they get big when you click on them. Oh, that one says okay. kind of small. But that's an object um, that is really bizarre. Again, you look at the surrounding terrain, it doesn't seem to match. Uh, it's, uh, 
it, it went viral. This one made the news and everything. It made all the mainstream news channels. And what happened? So go to that link, that NASA link to the right. I want to see what this looks like. Yeah. So this is the source photo of that. Yeah. And this is an area zoomed in. So, yeah. so somewhere in here, we somewhere have like, where's Waldo? And you can see that. Yeah, you'll have to zoom and find it and it's in there. I mean, this will take us forever. We don't. Yeah, Holy crap. That's crazy. The... <laughs> Look at that resolution. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. That is incredible. Yeah. It takes us hours to find the anomalies because we literally scan centimeter by centimeter. You know, we take an image that big and you go centimeter by centimeter with your uh, magnifying glass. Yeah. Go to some of the other photos on the Facebook. To you, what is the mo- what stands out the most out of all of these anomalies? Okay, go forward. Go forward. Even that's a four-mile wide face, but these tubes are amazing. They've been on the news. These tubes run for miles. They're huge. They're massive. They, um, they, they actually are these tubes that run in and out and all around the planet in certain areas uh, and they're hollow on the inside and they're not rocks clearly. And uh, what's interesting is if you see where that arrow is down from the arrow, you see where two tubes kind of almost run into each other. They have these ribbed type things that are keeping the tubes or the structure open. So it's hollow on the inside. The purpose of it, nobody has a, nobody has a clue. Huh? Yeah. And they run for miles. Uh, What do you speculate they are? I think they're just a transportation or, or navigation underneath everything. For me, I think to make it makes sense to build under underground there. Really, this is the first thing that I found. This is my very first anomaly. Now look at this. All I did was I just pulled out the anomaly and blew it up. I just you know spread it out. There's no enhancement. There's no anything. But I'm labeling them. One looks to be on the left, looks like technology. The other thing looks like a, a Sphinx type of an object. And the other mm-hmm. thing looks like, again, more technology. Just in my eyes, what I see there, in the background, it could be a, a, a pyramid. I don't know. But to me, these things don't look like they belong in that area. There's even something to the far right underneath that left arrow that <clears> is also <throat> anomalous. Um, if you go to another one, what's that doing on Mars? That's not a rover. NASA, when we emailed them, they said they don't know what it is. They is said, that, "Is that the actual size, or is it supposed to be magnified in that circle?" It's magnified. It's up there in the right corner. See it up there in the right corner. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sitting right out there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hang on. Pull up that the that NASA link in the description, Austin. See if we can find this one. Okay, it's right there. You gotta zoom in a little bit more somehow. Yeah. Can't zoom in any farther. Your technology won't allow you. Twenty twenty two. Wow. Yeah, that is uh, that is strange, isn't it? That's strange. Now, what can you? I mean, that that anybody who sees something like this for the first time, they're gonna go crazy. And they're going to dig into this stuff. And this was one more I got to show you before we go on. I I don't want to wait. We can extend this if we have to. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Go down right there. Click on uh, above, up, up right there. Now, what's that doing on Mars? That's the last image taken by Spirit Rover before it went offline and never broadcast another image ever again. When was this taken? That Spirit Rover's last image. That was probably about uh, maybe almost 10 years ago now. 
Uh, click on the let's let's look at the uh, source link from NASA's website. Oh, they took it off. Oh wow, <laughs> it's not on there anymore. They took it down. <laughs> yeah, that is incredible looking, right? It almost looks like a like a DeLorean with like a camping traveler uh, yeah. thing on top. It's weird, and if you see the shadow out of the back. You know, I can only relate that to like a turret, a gun turret. Yeah, that's that just, is that is wild. Yeah, and, that, and that's huge. You know, so there's even a, a, what, a thing up there that looks like an airplane, which is on this same photo file. So the pro, like, I am so fascinated by this stuff. But the problem is, you could spend so much time on these websites looking at this stuff and finding this stuff, but you can't do anything with it. Yeah, all well, you can do is just like blow people's minds but no one will take it seriously well you know i think it's actually has been taken seriously because now there are literally millions of people following us on the anomaly pages that we have in anomaly groups some groups have 140 150,000 people in each group and these people have now become researchers and digging into it but what it does for me it verifies the fact that anomalies are there that are unexplainable even though we're not there they don't look like rocks even nasa says they don't know where they are if you read the Enuma Elishan, the Seven Tablets of Creation, or the Atra Hasis Epic, when they talk about the EGG occupying and living on Mars with advanced technology and visiting and going back and forth from Mars to Earth, this, to me, verifies that story in the ancient Sumerian tablets. Okay, those um, tablets that you just... I don't even know what you yeah. just said, but... The Enuma Elish <laughs> and the Seven Tablets of Creation, one of the most... Enuma Elish. Okay. The Bible is... Uh, uh, um, plagiarized from the old testament is plagiarized from the enuma elish oh a lot okay. of the old testament is coming from there but they kept out a lot of the stuff talking about you know beings living on other planets uh in the modern day bible god is actually mistranslated as god singular when in true reality when you go to the back into the ancient text it's really gods with an s they took off the s to make it the monotheistic mindset Mm. And uh, and then you realize that it's when you read the Enuma Elish and the Atrahasis epic, you realize that they copied all that ancient text and put it into a lot of it into the uh, Old Testament of the modern day Bible. So is this all written in stone? Yeah, it's all written in stone. These are literal stone tablets. Stone tablets, cuneiform stone tablets. I've done lectures on this stuff. I've done a twelve-hour lecture just on the Enuma Elish. Twelve hours just on the Atrahasis. How, now you, how did you get your hands on these things, or did you just did you just read them from images from of them, or how did? Now here's the beautiful thing: these have been translated since the 1800s. So, Cambridge and the British Museum have translations, and then UCLA did an amazing thing. There's over a million tablets that have now been you know out there, and they've got hundreds of thousands translated. UCLA cataloged all the tablets digitally online. And made an online tablet translator called the UCLA CDLI Cuneiform Digital Library. And you can go there and take a tablet off the shelf and drop it into a translator and read it for yourself. No way. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Oh, yeah. And you did this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've done this. <laughs> I've been to the British Museum in person as well. I've been to the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford, England as well. And looked at these tablets with my own eyes. And I've got pictures of me obviously standing next to them, but they're real tablets. And I've done lectures on this for the last, I don't know, four or five years. These tablets are amazing because this is as close as we're going to get to the truth. And they're talking about beings living in other planets, coming to this planet, engaging mankind, teaching mankind about weapons, war, 
genetically modifying humans to, for the purpose of turning us into slaves to do a lot of the labor for them and uh, living on Mars. And How many moon. years ago were these tablets created, apparently, or supposedly? Oh, the last, the most recent version is back around 6,000 to 7,000 years ago, which is why, there goes the translator site, which is why the uh, the Bible, people who believe in the Bible believe the Earth is only 6,000 years old because the, co the story is copied from 6,000-year-old tablets. That's when that's the beginning of the creation of the Earth is in the Enuma Elish. That's actually the creation of our entire solar system is in there. The Earth is just a small part. What civilization was six thousand years ago? Sumerian. The Sumerians. The Sumerians. And those yes. were those were the first humans. No, they weren't the first humans, but it was the beginning of the beginning of of, of like of organized yeah civilization. It wasn't even really the beginning. Beginning. Yeah, it was just as far back as we can go. Now we can go back a little further. As a reason, because it go back to Tepe and Derinkuyu in in Turkey, we know now mm. thirteen thousand years. But like wow. the official narrative of the yeah. history of humanity was a was around two hundred thousand years ago. Is that right? And that was supposed to be the Stone Age. Homo, Homo sapien right. shows up all of a sudden out of nowhere. Right. Uh, and then within a short period of time, you know, obtains and learns all this knowledge, according to the book of Enoch, which is one of the apocryphal books left out of the Bible. But he's important because he's mentioned in the Bible. Enoch. Uh, Enoch. Okay. The book of Enoch. Uh, these beings came from heaven to earth. And then they even named, they have names. They taught them how, taught human beings how to, technology, how to make weapons, how to, how to even uh, create, make beer and all this other crazy stuff. Uh, and then they took Enoch on a trip to the Earth's atmosphere and beyond, and he saw the Earth and the shape of the planet as a sphere, and how and he, he saw that he was living on a giant ball, and then brought him back. Yeah, this is all in the Book of Enoch. The only Bible that has the Book of Enoch in it is the Ethiopian Bible. It's the only Bible in the world that actually incorporated the Book of Enoch into their canonized text. The rest of the Bibles uh, omitted the Book of Enoch. And the, um, the wars of these gods can be found in the book of Deuteronomy. The wars of the gods, they, these, are, this is, these are the Atlantean wars that everybody's trying to figure out what happened. It's in the book of Deuteronomy in the Bible. The, all the wars are right there. <laughs> but you say a lot of this was omitted from the Bible, right? Yeah, but the Deuteronomy is actually in there. The Deuteronomy. And, and so what is the Deuteronomy? It's a book. I was down to talk to my doctor about Rebelsis. Ask your health care provider about Rebelsis today. It's a book in the Bible. It's a book in the Bible, okay. The modern-day Bible. Anybody can go open their Bible and go, oh, Deuteronomy, let me read this. They don't read it, especially in Bible study. <laughs> but the reason why is because you have God, which is actually God's plural, going to war against other gods in other towns and cities and other regions of the planet and sending human beings to these places to go to battle and sending angels with them with battle gear on to fight and kill. And the words are, go there, get in, Kill the women, kill the children, kill the animals if need be. And if you see any women that you like, you can rape them. These are the exact words used. I want you to get a Bible and look it up. And if you decide you rape them, if you decide you want to keep them as wife, you can take them. But bring the spoils of war back to me. This was these internal battles going on from, from one region of the world to another region of the world, stealing and fighting over humans and resources. These people have become... So evil fighting against each other and utilizing human beings as chattel. And that's all in the book of Enoch. So God is good and loving and, all, and he's all the same all the time. But all of a sudden you read the book of Enoch and you go, what's going on? You know, the, book, the book of Deuteronomy, you read the book of Deuteronomy, you go, what's, what's going on here? These aren't exactly the stories that uh, 
you know, described. I don't think it's talking about the creator of the universe in that book. So, okay, I want to kind of like, <laughs> I want to kind of, I want to unpack this in kind of like a linear timeline of yeah. your personal discovery of yeah. this. So, you had that experience mm-hmm. in your living room. Yeah. You decided to go on the telescope website, the global telescope, and find all these things. At yeah. what point did you decide, become aware of these ancient texts and go translate them and learn about them? When I started Googling and trying to find if anybody was looking at these anomalies, mm-hmm. I came across information about the Anunnaki. That's the name of the beings that, according to the ancient texts, came from heaven to earth. In the, in, in the Egyptian culture, they call them the Naturu. And they said they came to earth and turned mud into a kingdom. In the Bible, they call them the Anak. They have these names in all different cultures. They all show up around the same time in every culture. And I started going, I started finding more instances, more instances of that. In every culture I looked into around the same time period. And I go, these people really came here at some point in the distant past. It seems to be now around 450,000 years ago they arrived. And about 200,000 years ago, according to the text, not me, they started genetically tinkering with human beings saying they were adding their essence to them to get us to do the labor for them so around 200,000 years ago they started tinkering with us and there's a famous cylinder scroll and with some text at the British Museum with Isis the goddess Isis who was one of the original Sumerian pantheon not Egyptian Sumerian and she's holding up a baby and she says the first Adamu which means first man my hands have created it and she claims to have taken in the text, taken this baby to term for 10 months in her own womb to create the more modern version of Homo sapiens sapien. Okay, so so what is, in your description, what, what was the Anunnaki? The Anunnaki, well, the term itself means those who came from heaven to earth. And these Anunnaki okay. are beings that came from outside of earth to earth from many different places, potentially. Uh, just like if you were to travel to Mars, right, and you met a Martian, they say, where are you from? You say, I'm an Earthling. You wouldn't say I'm from Tampa. Right, right. right. So it's the same thing. It's a generalized mm-hmm. term. And so, but these Anunnaki, these are the original Atlantean people. They created an Atlantean civilization. How do I know this? The tablets, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, which is my first book, is about the Emerald Tablets. It's a bestseller right now. It's number one out of three million books on Amazon. Why? Because it's talking about the the gentleman that ruled over the land of Kem before it was called Egypt for 14,000 years. He left behind these tablets that he authored himself. He didn't have a scribe write them back in the day. It was typical. If you were considered a god, you would have a scribe write your work. He wrote them himself. He talks about the Great Flood. He talks about civilization declining and having to be brought back to a high level. He talks about all this stuff in the Emerald Tablets. And it, he covers everything from A to B. He talks about having technology in the Emerald Tablets. Mm. He has a ship that doesn't sail in the ocean. It flies into the sky until the earth disappears, until he gets to a, the place appointed, and then it descends from the sky back down to the land. This is 36,000-year-old text. And what's interesting about this text, where Jesus is talking in the Bible, or quoted as being saying things in the New Testament of the Bible, I have side by side the verses from, from the Bible and the verses from both the Atlantean. Guess what? They're the same. Mm. But which came first, the chicken or the egg? One is 2,000 years old and the other one is uh, 36,000 years old. Yeah. Well, you know, the fascinating thing, I've had um, Randall Carlson on here and he, you know, he told me all about um, 
the uh, the you know the great flood the younger driest cataclysm younger that driest. happened i think it was like 12,500 years ago yes uh, which was a series it was uh there's it's actual there's actual scientific geological evidence mm-hmm. of a series of cataclysms that happened yeah that could have been comets could have been you know volcanoes cause there's a multitude of uh, things but mm-hmm. you know the I think the evidence points to mostly it was it was comets, series of comets from the torrid meteor stream yeah. that came in and wiped out a majority of living species on Earth. Um, and he, you can see that through not only geological evidence um, with the black matte layers of yeah. ash that are frozen underneath ice, mm-hmm. but there's also um, there's also evidence from when they look at the climate on earth from throughout history yeah you can look at the ice cores the ice cores right they i think they oh um rods they they drilled like miles of ice cores in antarctica yes you can see several global floods that happened Several, yeah. So the Younger Dryas is just one, uh, which is apparently the most recent one, right? The most recent one is the Younger Dryas. It decimated the entire ice sheet, sending water and mass of ice into the oceans, creating a global flood, which would have been the 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 most recent flood that we've had, even all the way down to Africa. To the the like, I am so fascinated by this stuff, but the problem is, you could spend so much time on these websites looking at this stuff and finding this stuff, but you can't do anything with it. Yeah. All well, you can do is just like blow people's minds, but no one will take it seriously. Well, you know, I think it's actually has been taken seriously because now there are literally millions of people following us on the anomaly pages that we have and the anomaly groups. Some groups have 140, 150,000 people in each group. And these people have now become researchers and digging into it. Cool. But what it does t- for me, it verifies the fact that anomalies are there that are unexplainable, even though we're not there. They don't look like rocks. Even NASA says they don't know where they are. If you read the Enuma Elishan, the Seven Tablets of Creation or the Atra Hasis Epic, when they talk about the EGG occupying and living on Mars with advanced technology and visiting and going back and forth from Mars to Earth, this, to me, verifies that story in the ancient Sumerian tablets. Okay, those... The Enuma Elish, um, tab- he meant, oh, and I'm going to cover this in my podcast in the near future um the enuma elish again i've already covered it actually played it and the emerald tablets a couple times but we're going to go through those again because they are so dense with information and mind-blowing facts because they were writing history as it had happened Let's that you just, I don't even know what you yeah. said, but the Enuma <laughs> Elish the and the seven of the tablets church. of creation, one of the most Enuma Elish. Okay. The Bible is uh, uh, um, plagiarized from the Old Testament, is plagiarized from the Enuma Elish. Oh, a lot okay. of the Old Testament is coming from there, but they kept out a lot of the stuff talking about, <laughs> you know, beings living on other planets. Uh, in the modern day Bible, God is actually mistranslated. As God's God's singular, when in true reality, when you go to the back into the ancient text, it's really God's with an S. They took off the S to make it the monotheistic. But in in the um, Bible, they uh, made made a mistake of saying, let us make him in our image. Because that gives away that it was 
plural gods, and then there's this monotheistic, um, I mean, the, we became monotheistic because of Amun-Ra, and we, we say Amen, and that is like, I think, isn't it, I think it was Marduk, is an, is like a Satan-like figure, so the Christians are worshiping fucking Satan, haha. Um, I've covered that lecture of Billy Carson's as well. Go check it out. Mindset. Mm. And uh, and then you realize that it's when you read the Enuma Elish and the Atra Hasis epic, you realize that Atra they copied Hasis. all that ancient text that. and put it into a lot of it podcast. into the uh, Old Testament of the modern-day Bible. So is this all written in stone? Yeah, it's all written in stone. <laughs> These are like literal tablets. stone tablets. Stone tablets. Cuneiform stone tablets. I've done lectures on this stuff. I've done a 12-hour lecture just on the Enuma Elish, 12 hours just on the We're Atra Hasis. How, now you, how did you get your hands on these things, or did you just did you just read them from images from of them, or how did? Now you... here's a beautiful thing. These have been translated since the 1800s. So Cambridge and the British Museum have translations, and then UCLA did an amazing thing. There's over a million tablets that have now been you know out there, and they've got hundreds of thousands translated. UCLA cataloged all the tablets digitally online. And made an online tablet translator called the UCLA CDLI Cuneiform Digital Library. And you can go there and take a tablet off the shelf and drop it into a translator and read it for yourself. No way. Yeah. That's way. pretty wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you did this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've done this. <laughs> I've been to the British Museum in person as well. I've been to the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford, England as well, and looked at these tablets with my own eyes. I and I've got pictures of me obviously, obviously standing next to them. But they're real tablets. And I've done lectures on this for the last, I don't know, four or five years. These tablets are amazing because this is as close as we're going to get to the truth. And they're talking about beings living in other planets, coming to this planet, engaging mankind, teaching mankind about weapons, war genetically modifying humans to for the purpose of turning us into slaves to do a lot of the labor for them and uh living on mars and how many years ago were these tablets created apparently or supposedly oh, the last the most recent version is back around six thousand to seven thousand years ago which is why there goes a the translator site which is why the uh the bible people who believe in the bible believe the earth is only six thousand years old because the cop the story is copied from six thousand year old tablets that's when that's the beginning of the creation of the earth is in the Enuma Elish. That's actually the creation of our entire solar system is in there. The earth is just a small part. What civilization was six thousand years ago? Sumerian. The Sumerians. The Sumerians. And those yes. were those were the first humans? No, they weren't the first humans, but it was the beginning of the beginning of, of of like of organized yeah. civilization. It wasn't even really the beginning beginning. It was just as far back as we can go. Now we can go back a little further. As a recent, because of Gobekli Tepe and Derun Kuyu in, in Turkey, we know now mm. 13,000 years. But like the official narrative of the yeah. history of humanity was a, was around 200,000 years ago. Is that right? And that was supposed to be the Stone Age? Homo, Homo sapien right. shows up all of a sudden out of nowhere. Right. Uh, and then within a short period of time, you know, obtains and learns all this knowledge. According to the book of Enoch, which is one of the apocryphal books left out of the Bible, but he's important because he's mentioned in the Bible. Enoch. Uh, Enoch. Okay. The book of Enoch. Uh, these beings came from heaven to earth, and then they even named, they have names. They taught them how, taught human beings how to, technology, how to make weapons, how to, how to even uh, create, make beer and all this other crazy stuff. Uh, and then they took Enoch on a trip 
to the Earth's atmosphere and beyond, and he saw the Earth and the shape of the planet as a sphere, and how and he, he saw that he was living on a giant ball, and then brought him back. Yeah, this is all in the Book of Enoch. The only Bible that has the Book of Enoch in it is the Ethiopian Bible. It's the only Bible in the world that actually incorporated the Book of Enoch into their canonized text. The rest of the Bibles uh, omitted the Book of Enoch. And the, um, the wars of these gods can be found in the Book of Deuteronomy. The wars of the gods, they, these, are, this is, these are the Atlantean wars that everybody's trying to figure out what happened. It's in the Book of Deuteronomy in the Bible. The, all the wars are right there. <laughs> but you say a lot of this was omitted from the Bible, right? Yeah, but the Deuteronomy is actually in there. The Deuteronomy, and, and so what is the Deuteronomy? It's a book in the Bible. It's a book in the Bible. The modern day Bible. Anybody can go open their Bible and go, oh, Deuteronomy, let me read this. They don't read it, especially in Bible study. But the reason why is because you have God, which is actually God's plural, going to war against other gods in other towns and cities and other regions of the planet and sending human beings to these places to go to battle and sending <laughs> angels with them with battle gear on to fight and kill and the words are go there get in kill the women kill the children kill the animals if need be and if you see any women that you like you can rape them these are the exact words used i want you to get a bible and look it up and if you decide you rape them if you decide you want to keep them as wife you can take them but bring the spoils of war back to me. This was these internal battles going on from, from one region of the world to another region of the world, stealing and fighting over humans and resources. These people have become so evil fighting against each other and utilizing human beings as chattel. And that's all in the book of Enoch. So God is good and loving and all, and he's all the same all the time. But all of a sudden you read the book of Enoch and you go, what's going on? You know, the, book, the book of Deuteronomy, you read the book of Deuteronomy, you go, what's, what's going on here? These aren't exactly the stories that, uh, you know, described. I don't think it's talking about the creator of the universe in that book. So, okay, I want to kind of like, <laughs> I want to kind of, I want to unpack this in kind of like a linear timeline of yeah. your personal discovery of yeah. this. So you had that experience mm -hmm. in your living room. Yeah. You decided to go on the telescope website, the global telescope and find all these things. At yeah. what point did you decide, become aware of these ancient texts and go translate them and learn about them. When I started Googling and trying to find if anybody was looking at these anomalies, mm -hmm. I came across information about the Anunnaki. That's the name of the beings that, according to the ancient texts, came from heaven to earth. In the, in, in the Egyptian culture, they call them the Naturu. And they said they came to earth and turned mud into a kingdom. In the Bible, they call them the Anak. They have these names in all different cultures. They all show up around the same time in every culture. And I started going, I started finding more instances, more instances of them in every culture I looked into around the same time period. And I go, these people really came here at some point in the distant past. It seems to be now around 450,000 years ago they arrived. And about 200,000 years ago, according to the text, not me, they started genetically tinkering with human beings, saying they were adding their essence to them to get us to do the labor for them. So around 200,000 years ago, they started tinkering with us. And there's a famous cylinder scroll and with some text at the British Museum with Isis, the goddess Isis, who was one of the original Sumerian pantheon, not Egyptian, Sumerian. And she's holding up a baby. And she says, the first Adamu, which means first man, my hands have created it. And she claims to have taken in the text, taken this baby to term for 10 months in her own womb to create the more modern version of Homo sapiens sapiens. Okay, so so what is 
in your description, what what was the Anunnaki? The Anunnaki, well, the term itself means those who came from heaven to earth. And these Anunnaki okay. are beings that came from outside of earth to earth, from many different places, potentially. Uh, just like if you were to travel to Mars, right, and you met a Mars, and they say, where are you from? You say, I'm an earthling. You wouldn't say I'm from Tampa. Right, right, right. So it's the same thing. It's a generalized mm -hmm. term. And so, but these Anunnaki, these are the original Atlantean people. They created an Atlantean civilization. How do I know this? The tablets, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, which is my first book, is about the Emerald Tablets. It's a bestseller right now. It's number one out of three million books on Amazon. Why? Because it's talking about the, the gentleman that ruled over the land of Kem before it was called Egypt for 14,000 years. He left behind these tablets that he authored himself. He didn't have a scribe write them back in the day. It was typical. If you were considered a god, you would have a scribe write your work. He wrote them himself. He talks about the Great Flood. He talks about civilization declining and having to be brought back to a higher level. He talks about all this stuff in the Emerald Tablets. And it's, he covers everything from A to B. He talks about having technology in the Emerald Tablets. Mm. He has a ship that doesn't sail in the ocean. It flies into the sky until the earth disappears, until he gets to a, the place appointed, and then it descends from the sky back down to the land. This is 36,000-year-old text. And what's interesting about this text, where Jesus is talking in the Bible, you know, quoted as being saying things in the New Testament of the Bible, I have side by side the verses from, from the Bible and the verses from both the Atlantean. Guess what? They're the same. Mm. But which came first, the chicken or the egg? One is 2,000 years old and the other one is uh, 36,000 years old. Yeah. Well, you know, the fascinating thing, I've had um, Randall Cars Carlson on here and he, you know, he told me all about um, – the uh, the you know the great flood the younger dryas cataclysm younger that dryas. happened i think it was like 12,500 years ago yes uh, which was a series it was a uh, there's it's actual there's actual scientific geological evidence of a series of cataclysms that happened yeah. that could have been comets could have been you know volcanoes cause there's a multitude of uh, things but you know the I think the evidence points to mostly it was it was comets, series of comets from the torrid meteor stream yeah. that came and and wiped out a majority of living species on Earth. Mm -hmm. um, and he, you can see that through not only geological evidence mm -hmm. um, with the black matte layers of yeah. ash that are frozen underneath ice, mm -hmm. but there's also um, there's also evidence from when they look at the climate on earth from throughout history. Yeah. You can look at the ice it, cores, the ice cores, right. Yes. They, I think they, they drilled like miles of ice cores yeah. in Antarctica. Yes. You can see several global floods that happened. Several. Yeah. So the younger Dryas is just one. Of Which is apparently several. the most recent one, right? The most recent one is the okay. younger Dryas. It decimated the entire ice sheet, sending water and mass of ice into the oceans, creating a global flood which would have been the, the the most recent flood that we've had. Even all the way down to Africa, to the tip of Africa, this thing created floods, which is why I believe the Sphinx mm -hmm. is much older than we think because the Get Sphinx couldn't have been built 12,000 years ago. Uh, it had to be built prior to that uh, Younger Dryas era. Mm. Another fascinating thing, um, going back to evidence of this, of the, the evidence proving that the timeline, the official narrative of the timeline of these civilizations, especially when it comes to ancient Egypt, yeah. is way off. Um, yes. There is, I had this guy, Ben, ben Van uh, Kirkwick. Ben Van Kirkwick he has a YouTube channel called Uncharted X. Okay. And he goes to, uh, he basically discovered this evidence in Egypt of these basalt rocks and these pieces of granite yeah. that have been clearly machined. Mm -hmm. Um, with there's like 
core drills, like yes. perfectly circular cores taken out of this rock. Mm -hmm. And on like the, the Mohs scale of hardness of like the hardest and softest rocks on earth. Yeah. These are like the top three hardest rocks that exist right. on earth. And even today it would be extremely difficult for us to carve these stones with right. the tools that we have today. Right. Um, and these like perfectly, there's these giant like eight ton rocks that look like they were cut with it, it looks like it was a hot knife cutting through butter mm -hmm. with how perfect they are and how yeah. perfectly symmetrical they are. Yeah, it's incredible. Some of this evidence is is astounding and it can't even be explained. Yeah. In addition to that, there's there's pottery that is made out of these rocks mm -hmm. that is perfect. It looks like it was pottery that was thrown on a wheel. Yeah. But it's the hardest stones that exist on earth. Yeah, incredible. Because those stones can only be cut with those stones or diamonds. Right, exactly. Yes, I know. <laughs> and it that that's the first time I became aware of actual physical evidence that cannot be explained by modern science right. or academia. Yeah. And they, they don't really entertain the conversation. Right. When people try to talk about it or people try to confront them about it. Yeah. Cause it goes against the standard quo, the, 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 the theory or the theme that they've already set up and this is the way we want to have it this way we want to say it because if we change it now, it's going to create so many questions and it's going to also destroy a lot of careers. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That's the problem with yeah. it. Right. There's a, people have, there's a lot that's tied up when it yeah. comes to money, especially when it comes to like governments yeah. that rely like in Egypt. Mm -hmm. I know that a, a huge part of their revenue stream is tourism. Yeah. Um, and that relies, that relies on telling the story of, yeah. you know, the ancient Egyptians. Mm -hmm. How many times have you been to Egypt? Four times. Four times. Yeah. I wow. just took a tour there of 70 people. I just got back. Wow. Yeah. So I had the largest tour ever taken through uh, those sites. We had VIP access. I was the tour guide. I'm the speaker. They gave us access. You know, they cleared Giza out. Everybody out. Forbidden knowledge is here. We had private access to the, to the Grand Gallery of the, of the Pyramid. We're in there meditating. Fucking We're going right. underneath the Pyramid, going in shafts, going into the Queen's Chamber private access to the great Sphinx military guards to go down there and actually got to some of the underground uh, shafts that exist that the, mm. that the Sphinx that people don't even know exist. There. Those, I've seen photos. It's yeah. pretty wild. Wild stuff, man. Why they go way down. You can't even see the bottom. Uh, and then we, you'll be able to stand in, in the middle of the Sphinx's paws and touch the dream Stella. You know, it's pretty cool. So I took my whole, the whole crew, everybody who came, we took them down there. They had a great time and, Took them out into the desert to Dendera, into hidden crypts that were never opened before. I took them to a temple of Isis on the property of Dendera, which has been locked for 30 years. And the temple priest gave me the key to open it and let my people in. Wow. And we saw technology on the wall, jet pillars with cable, electrical cables connected to what looked like light bulbs in pristine mm -hmm. condition. Not the ones underneath the underground crypt at Dendera, but that everybody knows on TV, but the ones that nobody's ever seen before, they're in there. So we had a, a great, great mm. trip, and we, I showed them evidence of technology all over the place, including the Temple of Seti at Abydos with the helicopter, Man, the tank, go. uh, you know, the airplane, and the uh, and it looks like a submarine in the hieroglyphs, and it just blew blew everybody away. Yeah, Austin, maybe you can pull up some of uh, the Uncharted X photos of some of the some of the stones that are out there. But I mean, he was talking about in some of these pyramids. I think he was talking about one of the main ones was the Sakura. Sakara, yes. Sakara, yes. yeah, and there's like these eight to ten ton granite boxes that yes. are in there that are like perfectly symmetrical and smooth, incredible, Absolutely and incredible. One of the things that he said that really stood out to him was on these giant granite boxes that mm -hmm. are that looked like they are 
created by some sort of super advanced technology. Mm -hmm. The hieroglyphs look like it was kindergartners that just found this and just started carving stuff into it because (laughs) it looks like stone chisels were used to carve these hieroglyphs. But it's not the same way of, it's not the same technology. Somebody found it much later and started playing around with it, which happens. A A lot of the stuff in Egypt in the dynastic era was already there when the dynastic dynastic era started. So a lot of the things that are really super megalithic and really old were there. They inherited those things. If you go to Mexico, where the Teotihuacan complex is located, which is a mirror of the Giza plateau with the three pyramids lining with Orion, the pyramid of sun, pyramid of moon, and so forth, those those structures were there before the Mayans got there. And even the Mexicans will tell you that the Mayans inherited what was they they built nothing they even teach that in the university they built nothing matter of fact the mayans didn't know who built that stuff so they named them teotihuacan that's where the name came from but when you go to the ancient text you find out who built it thoth the atlantean who ruled over the land of Kem, ancient egypt he left because he was battling with his brother marduk in the bible but marduk is also known to the egyptians as amun ra this is why people say amen at the end of every prayer he's the one who said at the end of every thank, giving thanks, you say my name. That's where Amen comes from. He left because of battling with his brother, and he went to Mesoamerica, and he took Olmecs with him, and they kickstarted and built the Teotihuacan civilization. So the evidence is all there. It's all in tablets. Uh, so what was his name? What the Atlantean? T H O T H. Thoth. Some people say Toth or Thoth. Oh God, I call him Thoth. Uh, in Sumerian, he's known as Nicazita. In the Mexico or the Mesoamerican area, like, uh, you know, Teotihuacan and Chichen Itza, he's known as Kukulkan, <clears throat> Lord Pakal, Veracocha, um, he's the Flying Serpent, you know, all these different names. Just like in Greek, Greece, he's known as Hermes. In mm. Rome, he's known as Mercury, uh, Odin. If you go to the Library of Congress, there's two gigantic doors, and they have both the Atlantean on one side and Odin on the other. They know who this guy is. And how many years ago was he, apparently, according to the texts? Oh, 54,000 B.C. is when he was ruling over the land of Kem. Which is how many years ago from today? That's a long time, man. We're talking about 56,000 years ago. Yeah, 56,000. 56,000. (laughs) Yeah. In his his tablets, he says he went to the land of Kem to re-kickstart civilization after the flood. Means it was already at a high level before the flood, or whatever disaster happened. The temple was coming up out of the mud. And he went and rebuilt. Then he said, I built the Great Pyramid, pattern after Earth's force. So he takes claim to building the Great Pyramid. Hmm. It wasn't Khufu. Right. It wasn't Khufu. Yeah, it definitely was not the dynastic Egyptians no. that built that. There's, they there's... inherited it. Why don't you think that like modern academia and people in in the quote-unquote Egyptologists, why won't they entertain any of these conversations? You know, it's just now starting to be entertained by Egyptologists. When I go to Egypt, I'm famous. The Egyptologists flock to me. Really? They ask for autographs. They take photos with me. The photos are all online. I'm like, everywhere I go in Egypt, I'm famous because I'm saying the things that they want to say. We did a live podcast on the Nile, and the Egyptologist was there, and she said, we love Billy because he's saying the things that we we can't say or we'll lose our jobs. (laughs) <laughs> and we believe everything he's saying. We 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 know this for a fact. We 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 learned grew up learning about this thing, the right, the real truth about our history, but we can't speak it to the general population, or we're in big trouble. And so that's why they love me there. But they've already adopted it. The Egyptologists, uh, the homegrown ones, have already adopted this information. The foreign ones haven't. 
But the big problem with this information is that it's detrimental to the system and the status quo. Uh -huh, it literally would break down religious systems overnight. You're talking about a multi-trillion dollar system that generates a lot of money for a lot of people. And those religious systems donate a lot of money to politics. Poly I call it polytricks. <laughs> polytricks. Yeah. And I'm talking about millions of dollars a year. Right. And so all of a sudden that goes away. A religious system collapse globally would definitely affect the global economy almost overnight. But that will go away because people realize the information that they have been brought up learning is actually severely inaccurate and that the information is based on plagiarized tablets. And the real stories are in the tablets. A full, unedited, undoctored human, well, I'm going to change these words around here and there, you know, that's not done in the tablets. The tablets is what it says. When you come to the Bible, all of a sudden you